Thanks for listening to They Didn't Teach Us That in Seminary. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Broadmoor underscore BC or find us on Facebook or YouTube by searching Broadmoor Baptist Baton Rouge. Thanks for listening to They Didn't Teach Us That in Seminary. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Broadmoor underscore BC or find us on Facebook or YouTube by searching Broadmoor Baptist Baton Rouge. New episodes every Monday or join us for services in person or online on Sundays. In 2007, a woman in Oregon won $1 million from a scratch-off lottery ticket. Two weeks after collecting her money and having spent $30,000 of her winnings, authorities discovered that she had bought the ticket under a false identity. She was using the credit card of her boyfriend's dead mother. They took her winnings away, of course, and prosecuted her. But how did they find out about the crime? Only because after she had won a million, she had continued to use that fraudulent credit card. She had million dollars in hand, but she was still charging credit on a dead woman's card. Why would someone risk a fortune that was certain only to gamble on a risky behavior? That may be the question we could ask the prodigal son this morning. If we could see him face to face, if we could grab him by the robes and shake him, shake some sense into him before he made that grand exit. This young man had a loving home and family 
His physical needs were provided for. He had an inheritance in the bank waiting for him to mature so he could handle it wisely. Why does he take his father's money and run? Why do any of us turn from the goodness of God? Whether it's a momentary lapse of judgment or a lifetime of turning. It's hard to say why we continue to gamble when the fortune is already ours. But this parable is more than a lesson about squandering fortunes. I mean, rebellious kids are a dime a dozen, right? You've had one. But it's the father in the parable whose behavior truly surprises us. The father's graciousness begins long before his son returns. His father's graciousness begins by handing over this fortune when his son demands. Even though that impulsive and premature behavior, giving of inheritance, even so, turning his back on his father, throwing away the warmth and familiarity of home, losing sight of his religious heritage, wishing his father was dead. In fact, it's as if he were saying, you can't die fast enough. But the father was gracious. He did as the son demanded. And as Bobby shared with the children, he gave it. He stands there on the porch watches his boy go out into a world well his son he knows well enough to know how he's going to use the money and a world he knows well enough to know how it's going to respond and as you know the younger son goes down the wrong path takes the wrong road runs off to some first century las vegas but the father stays put in fact we see him in one spot in this parable, staring down the road to that very spot on the horizon where he last saw his son, watching it, waiting for a day when things would be made right, all would be different. Fast forward, you know what happens. The son squanders the fortune. Squanders the fortune and begins calculating his return. And as he does so, we hear, he shows us really how the world sees children like himself, how we see ourselves in relation to God. He says this, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. Some translations say slave. Treat me not as your son, I'm not worthy, but treat me like a slave. Some cultures, the father would have taken him up on it. I mean, it sounds like a more fitting punishment than being thrown a party, doesn't it? Most fathers, have, have they been shamed by the actions of their son like this, would have disowned their son. And when the sun appears on the horizon, he can see him in that spot. 
the sun on the horizon, prepared to be chastised, prepared to be scolded, prepared to become a slave, prepared for expulsion even. Father, stand still no longer. What moves the father finally is the sight of his son. And so he runs. He runs. It's hard for us to grasp how incredible and unbelievable a picture that is. Because in those days, as you know, like we are today, men wore long robes. And men of his stature and his age, they didn't run. It wasn't dignified. But the father loved his son more than he loved his dignity. Loved him more than he loved his dignity. So he hiked up his skirt and sprinted off to reach his boy. Now the son in the story experienced exactly what James describes in chapter 4, verse 8. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Only it might say here and he will run to you. Even when we squander our incredible fortune, the goodness of God, we gamble on pleasure that doesn't last. God does not stay stuck, static, unmoved in anger and resentment. God runs up the road to meet us before we can meet him. Again and again, coming to us, moved by grace. In Tolkien's fictional story in Middle Earth, there are these tiny people with hairy feet called hobbits. They have an interesting custom. On a hobbit's birthday, he or she does not receive gifts from his family or friends. He doesn't receive a party from them. On a hobbit's birthday, he or she throws a party for his friends, for his family. That hobbit gives presents to them. Now, you may think that's a terrible idea. I mean, it's my birthday. It's my day to celebrate and to be celebrated, right? So it doesn't make sense. Terrible idea. But wait. Think for a moment about this. Aren't there many more birthday gifts and parties to be had by receiving presents throughout the year from your family and friends having birthdays? Let's say you go to a birthday every week. That translates into more presents for more often and more parties to attend, right? That's a better idea. But sadly, not everyone will join the party. Not everyone will come. In the parable, in the context, we're reminded that the elder son represents the Pharisees, the reverends, the religious, the self-righteous, those who are entitled. In both types, the younger son who squanders his fortune away and the elder son, both are more alike than they are unalike, really. Notice how both of them are masters 
at sticking it to their father. And their masters are sticking it to each other. A party for sinners. It surprises both of them. The father's extravagant grace and easy forgiveness surprises both of them. These two sons, they take different paths, but they're more alike than they are different. They're both stinkers and both prodigals. The real difference is between these sons and their father. Unlike the sons, this father is not all about himself. Not a selfish action, not a selfish decision has he made in the whole parable. This man ditches his honor. He becomes a fool for the sake of his boys. And notice that only the father in the story acts spontaneously, automatically. But his boys are calculating. They're calculating. When coming home, his, his younger son devised and calculated, rehearsed his speech. When invited to the party, the elder son angrily resists. He has calculated the value of his worth, of his loyalty, his faithfulness, his dependability. I'm here every Sunday. I get here early. I make my offering. I serve on committees. I deserve a party more than. One says, treat me like a slave. The other one says, I work like a slave. The father is not calculating. He's all instant, uncalculated. He's outreaching, welcoming. Someone put it this way. The father is a stunning simplicity of acceptance. And notice his sons. The pressure they put on him. We know that feeling, right? The pressure they put on the father. And they put on us to choose between them. Choose which one deserves it more. The father can't choose. He can't choose, so he offers them the same thing equal abundance equal blessings that's mercy and so the parable isn't really about prodigal sons the self-indulgent or the self-righteous it's about the scandalous love of a parent for two failed children in the story Jesus tells, the father does not scold or reprimand the elder son. He doesn't defend the younger brother either. He doesn't notice. What's he do? He turns attention away from those brothers. And he puts the attention on himself. On his own love. His bounty. His generosity. He says to them, in essence, there is plenty. There's enough. There's plenty to go around. And furthermore, if you come to think of it, this is not your younger brother's party. It's not your younger brother's party so much as it is my party. 
I throw the party. It's the party I throw for many because I'm always on the lookout for my children, those I love. And I'm working for each one of them, ready to celebrate, ready to celebrate before they even think what they can give me in return. The Father throws a party. It's His and only His. And it's His for us. It happens each and every time God's children come home. And that party, that party's still going. The only decision we're asked to make, the only decision we're asked to make is whether we'll join the party. Will we join the party? There's a hymn we're about to sing, written by Frederick Faber, called There's a Wideness in God's Mercy. There's a wideness in God's mercy like the wideness of the sea. There's a kindness in his justice, which is more than liberty. The hymn speaks of welcome for the sinner and grace for the good. Welcome for the sinner and grace for the good. Now those stanzas are in most hymnals. But there are two stanzas that often are left out of the hymnal. And they go like this. But we make his love too narrow by false limits of our own. And we magnify his strictness with a zeal he will not own. Was there ever kinder shepherd, half so gentle, half so sweet, as the Savior who would have us gather at his feet? But we make his love too narrow by false limits of our own. And we magnify his strictness with a zeal he will not own. Friends, for 21 centuries, this party has been going. For 21 centuries, sinners have been invited to the Father's party. For 21 centuries, the self-righteous have been resisting, standing outside, Offended, judging, deciding. For 21 centuries, the Father has been outreaching, welcoming, inviting. And He is inviting still. Welcome for the sinner, grace for the good. God's party is for both, for all. Will you come? Let's pray. Lord, we may be the prodigals in this parable this morning. We're here, but our hearts may not be in it. Or maybe we've lived a life totally unaware or uncaring about you, our Father. Or Lord, we're here because it's our duty. It's what we do. We keep account. We're earning our party. And yet, God, 
we are resistant to celebrate. Those not as good as us. And so whatever it is surprising us this morning with your welcome and your grace, help us. Bring us into that party that we celebrate with you. In Christ we pray. Amen. Welcome to They Didn't Teach Us That in Seminary, the official podcast of Broadmoor Baptist Church.